2: This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football, watching.
1: You are locked on Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals Podcast. I'm your host, Jake go along with my co-host, James Rapine. We're here to bring you the latest updates from what I would call the most dire injury report of the 2020 season so far, with injuries piling up across the roster, illnesses, you name it. Things are getting a little thin. But we do have a Steelers game coming up to preview as well. We've got some thoughts from the GOAT, the Bengals' only Hall of Famer. James talked to Anthony Munoz. We'll hear from him about Joe Burrow and what it's like for this Bengals team heading into, arguably, or maybe not arguably, their biggest rivalry week this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But James, let's get started with this injury report. James, suddenly the Bengals are out of cornerbacks. LaShawn Sims showed up on the injury report today with a concussion. Mackenzie Alexander has missed two straight practices with an illness. Darius Phillips has missed two straight practices after the bye week with a groin injury. That means that on the active roster, the only healthy cornerbacks are William Jackson and Tony Brown. And if you expand that to the practice squad, that only adds one cornerback, as all the guys the Bengals had on the practice squad are on the COVID list or are hurt themselves. So things at corner in particular, extremely thin as the Bengals head to Pittsburgh to take on really uh, an under heralded, I think, but pretty good ri- wide receiver group.
2: Yeah. It's a, a really tough challenge <laughs> if you're this shorthanded at corner and hopefully Alexander can go and we really don't know about LaShawn Sims. You, you almost assumed since he wasn't listed yesterday with a concussion that he suffered it in practice on Thursday it's going to be tough. It's it's a really tough ask because the Steelers, the one thing that their wide receiver room has is a really nice variety. We talk about that in the Bengals receiver room a lot, but it's a nice variety of physical guys. You've got a guy in Juju Smith-Schuster, right, who goes over the middle. Deontay Johnson, who's kind of the the lightning, the electric. But Claypool's both. He, he can block, he's big, and he can run and stretch the field. And then James Washington's come on in recent weeks. And let's just say you contain those guys. What Eric Ebron – is tough to deal with as a tight end. So they have weapons and uh, we might be seeing Ben Roethlisberger drop back early and often, uh, which means, heck, at least you're getting Sam Hubbard back. Maybe you'll be able to get a little pressure on him. But this secondary is reeling as bad as the offensive line was a couple weeks ago, Jake. The secondary is in a pretty similar spot, which is is really tough going up against a really good Pittsburgh offense.
3: I would even call it worse. Uh, I think that the the Bengals at least could feel an offensive line. Right now they don't have enough cornerbacks to, to play three. And and if one of those guys gets hurt, and this is even assuming that they called Jalen Davis up from the practice squad, there's nobody else. And so I, I don't know I don't know how you handle that in a COVID season. They're not going to be able to get anybody in on short notice. They've got to be praying and hoping that some of these guys that are on the COVID list, Brian Allen. Winston Rose, and and just generally Mackenzie Alexander is sick. they got to be hoping that these guys can get ready to go because otherwise they are an injury away from playing,
2: I don't know, Brandon Wilson at corner. I, I don't even know who you put out there at that point. I don't either. I don't know what you would do. And, and that's the thing is you're right. Maybe it's a Brandon Wilson. Of course, I'm going to be the one that throws it out there, and I don't think it would happen. But do you, do you put John Ross in at corner? They, they did it at Washington a bit when they got really thin at corner before his uh, his redshirt junior year, he played a little corner. So maybe, but that's that's a nightmare having to do that. I mean, the, the last time I, I could think of that happening for a good team, Julian Edelman played corner for the Patriots back in like 2012, 2011, and Anquan Bolden beat the crap out of him in the playoffs. And it was uh, such a, a an awful matchup. I, I don't want that to happen, so – What the hope is, is that Mackenzie Alexander gets healthy and is able to play. So then you get three. Maybe the the LaShawn Sims thing, we'll we'll get more clarity on it tomorrow, but maybe there's something there. And then the other thing would be that one or two of these guys that are on the COVID-19 reserve list, that it's because of who they came in contact with and not necessarily that they have it because then maybe they could suit up on Sunday.
3: You mentioned John Ross. He also shows up on the injury report today with a foot injury, and that's new for him. So I don't think we'll be seeing John Ross at corner, or if we do, sounds like he's banged up as well. Also non-participants in practice on Thursday, Joe Mixon, as Giovanni Bernard looks to suit up as a lead back for the Bengals for the third straight week at this point. Bobby Hart working his way back from that knee injury doesn't look like he will be ready. And Geno Atkins, again, away from the team, not injury-related, personal reasons, but did not practice. On the other hand, Jonah Williams, while he is listed as limited, sounds like he will be back this week along with Trey Hopkins.
2: So a little bit of good news for that offensive line that we were expecting coming out of the bye week. Xavier Suofilo could play too. We'll see. He's obviously been practicing with the team, but they have yet to activate him. They've opened that 21-day window for him. And the other thing, Jake, we talked to Quentin Spain on Thursday and I asked him because we've been talking about the emergency tackle situation and just who would play in that situation. And he said, hey, I played some in Tennessee. I'm willing to play any spot but center. So don't be shocked if you see Quentin Spain. I hope not, right, because that means that people are injured. But don't be shocked if uh, if Quentin Spain is that emergency tackle that we've been trying to hunt down.
3: I, I would be shocked, but hey. I guess if he's saying it, maybe maybe I should prepare myself. The other thing that I wanted to mention is, first, in my lifetime anyway, press conference that I can remember for a
2: practice squad player. (laughs) You're right. I, I can't remember. Honestly, I can't remember the last time I talked to a practice squad player, even in the locker room when they're in there, right? I think maybe Kavari Russell was a guy I talked to on the practice squad at one, one point or another, uh, the corner that they claimed from the Chiefs a couple of years ago. But other than that, I can't think of one. Up next, you're going to hear from the GOAT. You'll hear a part of my interview with Anthony Munoz. I asked him about Joe Burrow in the Steelers' rivalry. You know, The last time the Bengals dominated the Steelers it was in the 80s when Anthony Munoz was lining up at tackle. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season, whether it's on your couch like me or if you are going to the game. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. watching.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: It's time to talk with the GOAT. Anthony Munoz joined me on behalf of Ford Proud to Honor Hall of Heroes. They're giving back to our military heroes. Visit FordProudToHonor.com for more information I caught up with Anthony Munoz, and I asked him about the quality quarterback play that the Bengals have had for the better part of two decades. First, it was Carson Palmer from 03 to 2010, then Andy Dalton for the past decade, and now, maybe the best of the group, Joe Burrow.
0: Well, first of all, I have to kind of you know, applaud the two previous guys. Andy Dalton had a tremendous time here, You know, played in some playoff games, always got the knock because they didn't win a playoff game. But, uh, you know, the guy before him, I thought was really could have been one of the special elite, elite quarterbacks in the league before the injury bug started to hit him. He went to Arizona, had some pretty good years. And that's Carson Palmer. I mean, the guy was big and strong and had a rifle for an arm. was a true competitor. But you're right. This is the third one here in the recent times. And Joe Burrow – and I tell people, I watched just about every one of his games last year down at LSU uh, on on television. I was impressed. Uh, I I remember the second game, I believe, was Texas – Second game of the season did phenomenal. And then as the season went on, the bigger the game, the bigger his performance was. And so when the Bengals took him, number one, I was excited. But again, you know, it is the NFL. It's not college football. And I've been really, really impressed, not only by his physical ability, but just the whole mental part of his game and the poise and the confidence and the smarts. I mean, you know, you blitz them and more times than not, you're going to pay for it because he knows exactly where to go. And he, he unloads it so quickly. And for a rookie to be doing that on a very consistent basis, that's very impressive. So, you know, I think he's got uh, again, we don't know God willing, but you know, the injury bug stays away from him. I I think he's got a long career and he's going to do extremely well in the NFL.
2: I think that's the thing that impressed me the most is the first day of full pads at training camp. You see Joe Burrow and we're a ways away because 2020, but I have my binoculars on and and I'm looking and, and Burrow's making checks at the line of scrimmage. And I'm like, weren't they doing zoom calls all offseason? like how is how is that the case and it's uh the intelligence I think is, is what makes him unique is, is that is that fair to say
0: I think that's very accurate uh, you know I I can't speak for for Dalton or Carson I'm sure his quarterbacks are all pretty smart but I played for two guys that were like over the top smart first Kenny Anderson I mean guy that uh, you know went to law school and, uh, and stuff and was just amazing and then boomer another Very, very intelligent quarterback. So that is, I mean, people think that football is all about just the physical. Now, you know, there's so much that's played in between uh, the ears there. And both those guys had it. And you can see early on that uh, Joe Burrow has that same intelligence, man. The way he, you know, like you're saying, I mean, he checks, he he hits things quickly when people are bringing more than just the four up front. And those are things that you wait for a while to, to see young quarterbacks do. And he's doing it here early in this first year.
2: You say the the mental side of things, it's Steelers week, which everyone in Cincinnati knows. And I think plenty of Steelers fans are paying attention in the Queen City as well. When it is a rivalry week like this, when you have a team in the Steelers that have won 10 straight, the Bengals players are going to hear it. How does that affect your, not that you ever lost 10 straight to the Steelers because you obviously didn't, you had a lot of success against them, but how do you think that can impact a player's mentality going into a rivalry game, knowing that the the other side of things has had the upper hand in recent years.
0: You know, it should motivate you. I mean, every game should motivate you, regardless of what the record is. I mean, it's your profession, it's your job. You know, people always ask me, "Did you prepare differently for this team?" And I said, "No." It's the National Football League, and it doesn't matter if they're eight and zero, if they're one and seven, they're the best in the in I mean, in the world. I mean, they wouldn't be on the field if they weren't the best. Mm-hmm. So, the fact that the Steelers are doing so well, they've had their way. Should be a motivation for a lot of these new guys that are, you know, first time guys seeing this, uh, this first close up. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, the first words you said Steelers week. And that's all we said Wednesday morning. We would come in to, you know, installation. The coaches would just say Steelers week and that's it. You didn't have to fire you know, each other up. You just knew that it was a Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, it was – you get ready because it's going to be physical. It's going to be tough. And it's just not going to last two, two two-and-a-half quarters. It's going to last four complete quarters. Uh, So, yeah, back to your question, it should be a motivator. It should be one of those things that said we have to end this. You know, they've had their way. They've done well against us. But now let's end it, uh, and it should be a motivation to play your best game come Sunday.
2: Well, we hope that that's enough motivation for them. Ten straight – regular season losses for the Bengals against the Steelers Pittsburgh comes in eight and0 and Jake I know this it would piss me off if I found out and, and heard all oh, 10 in a row and guys like Tyler Boyd from Pittsburgh uh Sam Hubbard who, who talked on Thursday they've never beaten the Steelers and so you gotta know like they're thinking about that going into Sunday's matchup I mean think about Joe Burrow in this game man. He's from Athens,
3: Ohio, where everybody was a Steelers fan until he got drafted by the Bengals. If, if they lose this game, I'm sure there are plenty of folks in Athens that are like, you know what, Joe, I'm going to cheer for you every week, but when you play against the Steelers. And his family, and here he, they're going to hear it, man, from all those Steelers fans in Athens if they haven't all converted. And I'm not convinced that they've all converted, you know what I mean? So there's, there's a lot of guys who might have motivations to win this game. You know, obviously the guys that have been here, Actually, I mean, who has been here at this point for a long time? Geno Atkins, but we're not sure what's going on with him. He's missed two two days of practice. William Jackson's been around for him. Most of these guys are pretty new to the rivalry. So maybe, maybe we'll, we'll get a, a relatively clean football game. That's all I really want. There was a period of time, James, when I just did not like watching the Bengals played the Steelers because not only were they losing, they've lost ten in a row, like you said, but it was just dirty it was the the vitriol was too much for me, and I you know i I can get behind a, a good rivalry, but not when there's like clearly visible hatred between teams and between players and and that was obvious when the Bengals played the Steelers in the vontes perfect era, let's call it. for for that late part of the Marvin Lewis era, it got really bad. So I'm hoping that with Joe Burrow there now, with some of these young guys with a lot of roster turnover, it's just back to being a difficult division rivalry without some of that, you know, without quite that level of emotional involvement. I'm, I'm good with some emotional involvement. You know, I just don't want it to go to the point it was at before.
2: I totally get that. And here's why it's not going to. I think when you have a Joe Burrow and I get it eight games in and we, you know, we talk about him all the damn time, but, and I don't know if he's going to end up being this good. Right. But the Colts would never have gotten into the, those type of issues with Peyton Manning there. The Patriots would never do that with Tom Brady. And, and I get there's Belichick there, but that that just doesn't happen with these type of guys, these type of leaders. I think it's going to be the same thing here. I just, I don't foresee that. And, and part of it is, Zach Taylor in, in this front office is bringing in the right football character type of guys. And that doesn't mean that you don't, you're not going to have a fight here or a scrap there. But yeah, the the hatred, the, the the bad blood. Think about the guys that were involved in that. From Adam Jones and Vontez Perfect to on the other side, you know, Antonio Brown, guys like that, Le'Veon Bell. It, it's just you're not going to see that. So I agree with you. It, well, it did get to a point where it was too much. And now I just think maybe both teams will end up being good are In the Steelers' case, they're really good, but hopefully the Bengals are on the uptick and uh, it can be a, a real rivalry again because it was fun thinking the Bengals had a shot against the Steelers and there's been plenty of years where that was the case. It's just the past couple, it, it has not been. You know what, when I was a kid and
3: and and maybe this is just like really bad memory of, of children because I, I don't remember it very well, but before I was really aware of the Bengals, I feel like they, they actually like, beat the Steelers or like we're splitting games with the Steelers before Carson came around. And and that can't possibly be true because they were terrible in the 90s, but in my memory, they were actually not like one of the teams that that they actually would occasionally beat was the Steelers. And maybe that's not true at all, but that that's just my really bad memory of of my early life. But let's let's get into this game because I think the only way the Bengals and I I guess I've said this a few weeks now, can win this game is in a shootout. I, I don't really see, and I think we both expect Ben Roethlisberger to play. I don't see this batter defense doing much to stop the Steelers' offense. Not that the Steelers' offense is a juggernaut that it was when Ben was at his peak or, or when they had a much better running game than they do now when they had Le'Veon Bell, but it's still a very effective passing offense, very efficient passing offense, and, and we talked about the weapons they've got earlier, and... Currently, with, with the injuries looking the way they do, I'm skeptical that the Bengals will have the tools to cover those those weapons. And can the offense keep pace then becomes the question. The Bengals obviously also have some fantastic weapons and Tyler Boyd, probably the best or one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. T. Higgins, we talked about on the PFF All-Rookie team and A.J. Green, and, and he's still a very valuable part of this offense. Now you have a quarterback and... The the Steelers, I don't remember who it was. One of the Steelers was watching the Dallas game when Andy Dalton was down there. And he said, now you all see why we were never afraid of Andy. And maybe Joe Burrow can give
2: him something to be afraid of. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of the, the hope, right? Is that Joe, one, he's not going to be intimidated by a damn anybody, let alone a Steeler. He's just not. Uh, I don't think the moment's ever going to be too big for him. And I think that's the type of identity that this team needs to take on. So when I look at this game, you want Joe to have some level of success. It cannot be like it was in week five against the Ravens where it was just, oh, man, the new quarterback, he's confused. (laughs) And we're getting after them, and it's rough, and oh my God, you're really going to kick that field goal to to prevent the shutout? Like, it can't be that way. You know, this could be a successful game, I was telling you before we started recording. It could be 30 to 20. Steelers win, and you feel pretty decent about how the Bengals played. And and, and I think that's the key here. Have a good showing. There are no moral victories, I understand that. But you don't want to get your ass kicked again, because this is the new guy, the guy who's supposed to come in and kind of not only dethrone the Steelers, but make you more than relevant and take you to new heights. You want him to get off to a good start against the, the Bengals' number one stumbling block in this division for the past two decades.
3: Yeah, there's no such thing as a moral victory. I agree with that. But there is such a thing as a morale defeat. Like, if they get crushed again, then, then the, the spirits of the fan base just get eviscerated. Like, it, it's just a gut punch. It's just a huge gut punch. And what they have to overcome is the best edge rusher in the NFL in TJ Watt, the best interior defensive line in the NFL, headlined by Cameron Hayward and Stefan Tuitt. And by the way, Tyson alu in his age 33 season is suddenly an all-pro. Uh, you, go, you, you, you credit the uh, Steelers' quote-unquote strength and conditioning program for that. Uh, they've got Mika Fitzpatrick back there at safety. That's going to be the guy to avoid. The matchup that I like the best is Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd in the slot. And we, we saw the Dallas Cowboys take advantage of this last week with their tight end, with a no-name quarterback taking advantage of the stuff underneath. Going to have to, in in the words of James Rapine, which is the words of some old-timey football coach, matriculate the ball down the field on offense. And when the defense is on the field, that's a, that's a different story. And we're going to get into that coming up next.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: James, when the Bengals defense is on the field, I am afraid and generally, but but also this week, especially with the health looking the way, It does. And by the way, that old timey coach is Hank Stram. There's a great NFL films video of him saying that on the sideline when he was coaching the Kansas City Chiefs. But boy, the defense has been roughed up and I just don't really see it getting better. Maybe in a couple weeks, right? Like maybe with Tack McKinley, uh, you know, we'll see what's going on with Geno. Maybe if they get this defensive line going a little bit, things can start to pick up. But just getting Sam Hubbard back, man, you're just asking Jesse Bates, hey, Jesse, go get me two picks to keep me in this game. And and that's your
2: defense. Yeah, that's a big part of it. There's no doubt about it. And look, the, the other thing is, and whether it's fair or not, and I know the, that there are some numbers that, that say it is, I need Carl Lawson to force a turnover. Can we, can we get the sack fumble? You know, Can we make that play? Because it is a game changer. And this team much like they did against Tennessee, I think the goal for Sunday is going to be bend, don't break. And like you said, the, the force a turnover here, force a turnover there, they may outgain you in yards, but that's how you keep it close. And that's going to be the key is they, they're they going to give up a lot of yards. I don't really see the Bengals being able to to stop and throw a wrench into the, the Steelers' offensive game plan. But it only takes a couple bad big Ben throws, and he will, if you put a little pressure on him, make a bad decision here or there. And then the other thing is, again, if you can get somehow get some kind of pressure, and that's up to Lou Anarumo, maybe he'll dial up a blitz or two. Who knows? He's going to have to get really creative given the injuries in that cornerback room because even best-case scenario, they're going to be shorthanded on Sunday. And that's, uh, that's a lot to ask against this unit. If you're looking for
3: what might go right for the Bengals – historically Ben Roethlisberger is a very turnover prone quarterback this year. That's not as much the case as I, I think his arm is showing its age a little bit. He, he's still able. And I think we talked about this earlier in the week. He's still able to fit some of those deep balls in. he's still throwing with good anticipation. He's using that veteran savvy, but he used to have a, a, a an above average arm at the very least to a plus arm that does not seem to be the case anymore. And as a result of that, I think he's changed the way he plays. So we'll see if we still get that gunslinging Ben Roethlisberger back there, the kind of guy who's going to try to force the ball and and push the issue a little bit. We'll see if he's still putting the ball in harm's way. But the other thing that that I think is going to be different this year is this is an offensive line for the Steelers that I think has taken a step back. Mike Munchak is gone. They've gone through a few offensive line coaches and none of these guys have very strong PFF grades right now uh, outside of Alejandro Villanueva at left tackle. The rest of these guys are looking average. And when's the last time you you looked at a Steelers offensive line and you thought it was average? Now, am I still afraid of Marquis or whichever Pouncey it is in in Pittsburgh and David DeCastro pulling and and leading the way on on some of those outside runs that they run? Yeah, because they're really good at that. That's what they do together. Those two guys combo on pools, really well. Am I Am I generally as intimidated by this offensive line? No. Uh, but like you said, James, that's up to Lou Anarumo to figure out how to exploit because the guys he's got on the front floor aren't getting it done by themselves most of the time. And that's the scary
2: part is they're they're short-handed on the back end. And if they're not getting pressure and they're not great against the run, well, then how are you going to force that turnover or two? Because Th- that'll probably tell the story because if they force a couple turnovers, then the Bengals probably hang around. And if not, I would assume the Steelers are going to force a turnover, at least one, right? It, w- whether that's fair or not, I just I think so. So I mean, that defense is really good. So it, it's an uphill battle. But but honestly, Jake, it, it's funny you were talking through all that. And, and how great would it be if they could have Tack McKinley for this game? Yeah, I don't think he's that great. Nope. But a guy that has a lot to prove in a rivalry game. And he joined Sam Hubbard. It would be such an edge to have him. And unfortunately, they're not going to have him because of COVID protocols and things like that.
3: He would immediately be their second best pass rusher. I put out the numbers yesterday comparing him and Sam Hubbard on a snap-by-snap basis because some Bengals fans seem to think that Sam Hubbard is a clearly better player. He's a better pass rusher. That's simply not true. Tack McKinley, I think, would come in and immediately be a boost to the pass rush. And, And so it's a welcome addition. It's too bad they won't have him this week, but we'll, we'll see what Luana Rumo comes up with. Maybe we're being a little unfair to him, but it's the yards. The yards eventually turn into points. Last week or last time the Bengals played against the Titans, they got gassed. The yards per play for the Titans, very strong. The Bengals even took away the running game a little bit. They, they forced Ryan Tannehill to beat him and he didn't. Now can they do that again? Can they get that bend? Don't break. Can they get off the field on a fourth down conversion for the Steelers? Can they? You know that that's what had to go right against Tennessee to hold them to 20 points or, or however many points Tennessee ended up scoring. 20. Yeah. Okay. Great. I got it right. Perfect. So they, they they need those those breaks in those pivotal moments. The fourth downs. They need the interceptions. The missed field goals. Not the Pittsburgh's kicker ever misses field goals against the Bengals. But that's what they'll need from their defense to give the offense a chance. To keep pace against, again, statistically, I think the best defense in the NFL, not that they necessarily are the best defense in the NFL,
2: defense very volatile, but that, that's the the hill that they're up against. And that's the problem too, Jake, because I'd love to say, oh, well, Joe Burrow can go get you 40, <laughs> right? He, he could go get you 40, but we don't know who's going to be at right tackle. And e- even if we did, and, and it was Bobby Hart, let's say, or it, it it ends up being Fred Johnson, do you feel good about that in this matchup? I'm not sure I do. In fact, I probably don't. Well, what about on the other side? Jonah Williams coming off of an injury, if he does play at left tackle or Akeem Adenogy, it'll be one of those two guys at left tackle. I don't love that. It, and, and that's the key here. And that's the thing is the Bengals defense is leaky. And the Bengals offense, for the most part, is capable but we haven't seen him do it against a unit like this. And so it's, it's such a measuring stick. And the defense could really help out the offense early on by not getting down 7 nothing, 10 nothing. And the Bengals have done a good job of that. They're, since the, the Baltimore game, I think they've outscored their opponents in the first quarter. I think it's 31-3. to 3, And I might be off by a field goal there. But they've been really good in the first quarter. You're going to have to do that again on Sunday to have any shot. You want to have momentum, like I said, and, and, and any kind of momentum against the Steelers is good because we've seen it in the past. When the Steelers grab it, it's hard to ke- keep them from letting that letting it snowball and, and just turn into a, a blowout. So we'll see if they can do it.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. James, before we get to your prediction, one thing that I'm interested in watching from Joe Burrow this week is how he deals with another elite pass rush. I want to see how that's developed in his game. The difference this week is that Stefan Tuett, Cameron Hayward, and Tyson alu are going to make it a lot harder for him to step up. And I think that the Steelers are going to be a little bit more disciplined in some of their pass rush lanes than we've seen in recent weeks. So that's something I'm watching. How is Joe Burrow going to handle the best defensive line, the best front seven that he's seen in quite a while? And, and there are some issues at middle linebacker uh, for, for the Steelers. Bud Dupree hasn't had quite the year he's had historically or had last year anyway. But uh, a good test for Burrow. Excited to see how he answers the call. But, James, as we do every Thursday, as we record for the Friday episode anyway, give me uh, the prediction for this week. Vegas says minus seven
2: Steelers. Uh, Bengals fans are going to hate me, Jake. I said it earlier. I actually – it was called a a, – I gave away my hand. I think it's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers 30 and the Cincinnati Bengals 20. They're not going to get rolled like they did in week five, and they're going to hang around. But I, I just don't see them getting it done. I, I think that the Steelers will make one or two plays in critical moments and, and be in control for most of the game, and they're going to win it and improve to 9-0. and And uh, it is a good measuring stick, but I, I'm leaning Pittsburgh in this one. My
3: personal hope is that Joe Burrow finds a way to cover again and that we get maybe, maybe the Steelers do score 30. I'm not going to argue with that, but maybe the offense figures out how to get 27, right? Just just one more touchdown out of them. But I think that the, the real challenge for the offense is going to be in the trenches, as it is seemingly every week, but, but this
2: week in particular. You know what my personal hope is? That the next time we join to do this show, I hear a woo Yeah, from you.
3: That would be great. I would love nothing more. Until Sunday, Bengals fans, we're back with our post-game preview of hopefully a woo accompanying a Bengals win. day, and have a good one.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.